Welcome to the Eerie First Podcast, the weekly message series featuring Pastor Nicole Schreiber. Each September, Pastor Nicole takes time to focus on and share the mission of Eerie First and how we will continue to love, build, and send people with the gospel. We're starting that today with a new series called Our Spirit-Filled Church. We're going to take a deep look at the very first church described in the book of Acts and see the patterns they establish and how those very same patterns still apply to us today. We think you're going to really enjoy this series. So let's get started. Here's Pastor Nicole. Well, good morning. I am so happy to see all of you today. Uh, It's been a couple weeks since I've been able to share the word. Pastor Quint did a great job with his series in August. Don't you love his word? It was awesome. I'm challenged. I know you are too. Make sure you catch it on the podcast if you missed some of those. Um, But it was funny. I was teasing the staff. It's my week to be up and I need like... this and the stool and the jars and the table and my backpack. And, you know, I just bring all the things up because I need it all so I can make sure that I communicate to you uh, what the word of God that that the Lord has put in my heart today. So let me start with this. How many of you have ever been to Missouri? Springfield, Missouri. A few of you. Okay, so uh, I went to college in Springfield, Missouri. They do not have winters the way that we have winters, but they do get ice storms. Okay. So they kind of the whole, uh, everything is just coated in a sheet of ice. They don't have the salt trucks the way we would. And so a lot of times it's kind of dangerous winter weather. And I remember, uh, I was in college just a few years ago. Um, 17. Okay. And um, I, I was driving uh, to work. I was listening to the radio. It was the middle of winter. There was an intense ice storm and all of the electricity had been knocked out in parts of the city. And the radio announcer was listing off all the businesses and schools that were closed uh, because of the electrical outage in the city. And then the announcer said something I will never forget all these years uh, later. This is what he said. Due to lack of power, the following churches will be closed. And the Holy Spirit stopped me dead in my tracks. And reminded me, due to lack of power, electrical outages are not how many times do we gather together as the church and we lack the power of God. God put his spirit in us so the church would be known for his power. So today I'm starting a series called Our Spirit-Filled Church, and in this series, we are going to look at the early church in the book of Acts, and we're going to discover the patterns established by those early believers. Uh, Next week, we're going to talk about the prayers they prayed, and in the third week, we're going to talk about the potential. And so this series is all about the pattern, the prayers, and the potential of a spirit-filled church, and not just any spirit-filled church, but our spirit-filled church. And so we're going to end this series, as Pastor Quint talked about, with a breakthrough weekend, September 24th and 25th. Um, It's a conference with worship and messages from invited guests. You can sign up on the website. Um, I was praying through this this, uh, message this week, and the Lord told me that there's some of you out there who are thinking, um, I want to get closer to God, but I don't know how. 
or I used to be really close to the Lord, but I feel really far from him. And I want to tell you that this weekend, Spirit Breakthrough Weekend, is going to be uh, the place that you need to be if you're feeling that way. Not because it's this perfect program or something incredible, but because the presence of God will be there. And so I really want to encourage you to to, uh, register today and get your ticket. Now, every September, we take time to revisit our mission. And our mission is, okay, say it with me if you know, love God and his people, build Jesus-centered lives, and send out spirit-led disciples. Now, many of the staff today, we wore our Love Build Send shirts so that you would know, be reminded of the mission. You can get yours too. But much of the mission comes from passages in the book of Acts. So it's going to be easy for me to talk about uh, the book of Acts. It's going to be easy for me to talk about our mission as a church uh, because much of love, build, and send comes from that. In fact, look to the person next to you and say, love, build, and send. Love, build, and send. All right. Now, I want you to know that these messages come out of a, a really deep conviction that I have as your pastor. These aren't just messages that... Um, I've written or someone else has written to deliver. Uh, this is a, a very deep conviction that I have that, that this church, really any church, can create a whole host of methods, a whole host of plans, a whole host of strategies that can be carried out, maybe even flawlessly. In fact, all week long, your pastoral staff, we sit in our offices and we have meetings and we have prayer and we think about things we can do and ways that that we can uh, help people experience the word of God. And and we talk about the details. Some of us are more detailed than others. Uh, I'm always the one not sure about any of the details, but we got some people on the team who know the details and we talk through it all and, and we go over and over and over. But let me tell you what, without the power of God, Does any of it even count? And that's what we are always asking ourselves as a team. That's what I'm always asking myself as your pastor. I don't know about you, but if I'm going to spend my my whole life serving and trying to to help people know God, I want it to count. I don't want to waste my days doing something that doesn't count. I want Erie First Assembly to count. Like, if we're going to do this, if you're going to get up on Sunday morning, you're going to come here anyway, and you're going to get dressed, and you're going to wrestle your kids into the car, and you're going to take time out, don't you want it to count? Like, if you just come, and and it's not changing you, it's not doing anything in you, isn't it just a waste of your time? If we're going to give our lives to this, if we're going to give our lives to the gospel, then let's do it right. Zephaniah 4, uh, chapter, Zephaniah 4, 6, verse 6 says, If we're going to do it right, it must be done not by force or strength, but by my spirit. In fact, I think if we're not careful, we may never realize the Holy Spirit is virtually absent from the picture. But it is not what is done for God that counts. Let me say that again. It's not what is done for God that counts. It is what is done by him. It is what is done by him. That is the lasting work. That is where the power is found. Programs and plans, those are all good, but they are not good enough. Because God's work must be done by God's people, God's way. Let me say that again so you can clap when I'm done. God's work must be done by God's people, God's way. Otherwise, what are we doing? 
A.C. Dixon, an evangelist in the 19th century, said it like this. When we rely on organization, we get what organization can do. When we rely upon education, we get what education can do. When we rely on eloquence, we get what eloquence can do. But when we rely on the Holy Spirit, when we rely on the Holy Spirit, we get only what God can do. So we're going to look at some patterns of the church. We're going to look in the book of Acts, and we're going to look at some patterns. And so let's begin with the birthday of the Christian church in Acts 2. I want to read it to you in Acts 2, 1 through 4. It says, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. And suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. And they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled him, enabled them. Okay, so I want to focus on one word in this passage uh, in verse 4, and it's the word filled in Greek. Now, the word filled in Greek is the word pimplemi. So just, just try to say that with me so I'm not the only one feeling a little insecure about my Greek. Pimplemi. All right, say it to the person next to you. Being filled, pimplemi. This is what this means. It describes the moment something fully takes possession of you. All right, so Pastor Quint kind of opened the door here about football. So let me tell you what pimpleme means when you're watching the Steelers, okay? How about when you're watching the Steelers and the ref makes a bad call against them? What happens? <laughs> you are filled to the top saying, oh, that's not fair. You should not make that bad call against them. And you're filled right all the way up. It's taking total possession over you. You can be filled with a lot of things. You can be filled with joy. You can be filled with frustration. You can be filled with angst. You can be filled with annoyance. <laughs> you can be filled with a lot of things. You can be filled with entertainment. You can be filled with anxiety. You can be filled with a lot of things. In Luke 6, uh, we see the same word used to describe the Jewish people who were filled with rage. And they began discussing what they were going to do uh, to Jesus because of how mad they were at him. We can be filled with a lot of different things. But the church was born when the Holy Spirit came on the believers and filled them. So the church was born when the people were filled with the Holy Spirit. Which means the moment the believers gave full control and surrender to the Holy Spirit. I love how verse 4 clarifies this. Take a look at it. Who was filled with the Holy Spirit in that moment? All of them. All of them. The people in the front row, the people in the back row, <laughs> the people in the balcony, all of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. Not one of them was not filled with the Holy Spirit. That's what it says happens in this moment. Every single one. And all of these believers lived filled fully with the Holy Spirit, and they were building the early church. So I want to look at a few snapshots through Acts to just show you what happened when they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Let's start in Acts 4. Peter and John, two of the first preachers who were sharing the good news of Jesus, and the government officials and the religious dignitaries were greatly disturbed. They arrested him. They put him in jail. In fact, Acts 4.4 4 says that didn't stop the message of God. Many who heard the message believed, and thousands accepted Christ as their Savior. So the officials, they were not happy. They were saying to, to Peter and John, hey, stop that. 
Like, knock it off. You were causing a lot of distress. We were fine as it was, and now you're shaking it up. Knock it off. Quit telling people about this message that you have. And this is what they say in Acts 4, 19 through 20. They reply, which is right in God's eyes, to listen to you or to him? You be the judge. As for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. Do you know why Peter and John couldn't help speaking about Jesus, even though they were facing persecution and opposition and difficulty? Because they were filled with the Holy Spirit. That's all they had to talk about. There wasn't anything else inside of them. All they could talk about was what the Holy Spirit was doing, and it just spilled out of them. And that's, the, that's why they never stopped, even though they were having pressure in all kinds of persecution and opposition and difficulty. All right, let's turn two chapters to Acts 6. There's a man named Stephen from the first church. And in Acts 6.3, it describes Stephen as a man full of the spirit and wisdom. He's performing signs and wonders among the people. He's sharing the good news of the gospel. And opposition arises, and Stephen is questioned with, and he's arguing, and, and he's having these very difficult conversations and in Acts 6.10, it says, this is what happened. But they could not stand up against the wisdom the Spirit gave him as he spoke. Did Stephen know everything there was to know? No. What was Stephen this, well, if, if you talked to him, was he this well-versed, he, he knew how to, how to argue out of a paper bag? No, he didn't. But the Spirit of God gave him wisdom as he spoke. In Acts 7, they finally seize Stephen because they, they just don't know what to do with him. Uh, and, and they bring him into the court. And the scripture says he has the opportunity to share the message of the Bible and of salvation to the entire Sanhedrin, which is the government leaders at the time. And all the while, the church is growing. The believers are increasing. And at the end of Acts 7, Stephen is stoned to death by people who hate the message he's sharing. And the scripture says that, that as they're stoning them, he's praying, Lord, don't hold this sin against them. Let's look at one more snapshot, maybe my favorite, from Acts 9. The worst, the ugliest, the most aggressive Christian hater is walking down the road. I mean, this guy, he, he spent his life trying to figure out how he can find Christians and, and, and get them and torture them and persecute them. He, that was his whole agenda every day. He woke up hating Christians. He went to sleep hating Christians. This is what he wanted to do. He wanted to eradicate this from the places where he was. And he's walking down a road. And you remember what happens? God strikes him blind. And, and, and he's fumbling around. And he has no idea what happens to him. And across town, God says to a man named Ananias, go lay hands on this guy. He's a Christian hater, but go pray for him to be filled with the spirit. And I don't know about you, but if you think about it, can you imagine Ananias thinking, uh, God, I mean, that's, uh, mm. like he killed some people that talk about Jesus. Are you sure? And Jesus says, yeah, God says, yeah, you got to go. You got to go pray for him. And Ananias is like, I mean, okay, I guess this isn't my favorite assignment you've ever given me. You know, and so he walks and he finds him. And in Acts 9, 17, this is what he says. Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who has appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me. Now, watch this. So that you may see again and be, what? Filled with the Holy Spirit. 
filled with the Holy Spirit, immediately Saul transforms with a new name to Paul. He goes out, he begins preaching the message of Jesus to the people. His life, his message turns 180 degrees in an instant. And the biggest antagonist of the church, the one that was filled with anger and hate and deceit, all of a sudden is emptied and filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, let me tell you a pattern that I am seeing from just a few of these examples. And you tell me if you see it too, okay? Here's the pattern that I see. The Holy Spirit cannot be stopped. The Holy Spirit cannot be stopped. Not by angry mobs, not by powerful politicians, not by any human scheme or success or failure. God will not be stopped. And God will accomplish everything he sets out to do. God will never be tricked. God will never be surprised. God will never be outmatched. God has never failed. God will never fail. And God is not going to fail us now. This is the pattern we see in the early church. He is unstoppable, unshakable, unfaltering, unbeatable, and unbelievably merciful and gracious to humble sinners who, who run to the cross of Jesus Christ. You know, I'm just going to give you a minute to cheer if you haven't already, because right there... Thank you, Jesus. This is what we see over and over. We see it with Peter and John and Stephen, Saul, the entire early church. The pattern of the early church is that the Holy Spirit cannot be stopped. Now, there's other patterns, too. I, I put them on your, your handout as you came in today. The body of believers will experience persecution. That's a pattern. The church should pray together often, the church should best be unified in heart and in soul. The church must be generous. The church will be filled with holy boldness. The church will experience abundant grace. Jesus will give the church power to proclaim the gospel. These are all patterns that we see. So if the pattern of a spirit-filled church, if the pattern of our spirit-filled church is that it is composed of spirit-filled believers, then the first and the most important piece of this pattern is we must live filled with the Holy Spirit. We're part of the, we're part of the, we're part of the piece of the puzzle. We can't have a spirit-filled church if we don't have people that are living spirit-filled lives. That's what it says to do. And so I, I just want to clarify something for you. The moment you enter into a relationship with Jesus, if you're here today and you are a believer in Jesus Christ, the scripture says that the Holy Spirit comes in as a resident of your heart. Ephesians 1, 13 through 14 tells us this. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. So this is what it says. If you have a relationship with Jesus, the Holy Spirit is inside of you. But being filled with the Holy Spirit is another level. Okay, let me explain this to you. When you yield, when you surrender, when you allow him to fill you, the Holy Spirit goes from resident to president. All right? He's in you. He's in you if you are a believer in Jesus. You have it inside of you. But when the Holy Spirit, when you invite him to come and control uh, your life, when you invite him, when you surrender, when you say, God, you are the boss, when you say, look, you won't just have to reside in me, but you can preside over me, the Holy Spirit goes from resident to president. 
And being filled with the Holy Spirit is one thing. There's one thing to have the Holy Spirit, but it's another thing for the Holy Spirit to have you. It's one thing to have the Holy Spirit, but it is another thing for the Holy Spirit to have you. In fact, right now, I just want you to bow your head right where you are. I just want you and Jesus, just ask him right now, are you the president of my life? Are you the resident of my life or are you the president of my life? What part of my life am I not giving you full control over? Just show me right now, Jesus. And don't be surprised when he talks back. (laughs) And you just say to him, God, I want you to be the president of my life. You're the boss. All these things I'm trying to control, you're the boss of these things. All right, now just say amen right where you are. Amen. Revisit that this week. Revisit that in your prayer life and say, God, you are a resident of my life, but where do I need to make you the president? Where do I need to make you the president of my life? In my family, in my work, in my hopes, in my dreams, in the safety of my kids, in the safety of of my family, and what I'm going to do. You ask God, where do you need to go from resident to president? Being filled with the Holy Spirit is intimately connected to being filled with God's word. If you are not daily consuming the word and meditating on the word, you are not likely to be filled with or controlled by the Holy Spirit. But when you consume the word of God, you are feeding the spirit inside you. It may not feel different. It may not be this revelation experience every time. But when you read the word of God or you listen to the word of God, what's happening inside of you is your spirit man is growing stronger. Some of you are like, yeah, I'm reading these genealogies in the Old Testament and I don't even know what this is for. Let me tell you what, you're eating your Wheaties. (laughs) Just by reading that, just by ingesting that, you're feeding your spirit man. In my mind's eye, it kind of looks a little bit like this. You are stoking, you are stirring up the spirit of God in your heart. And so when the time is right for the power of God to come, you're ready. (laughs) And so when you're eating the word of God, he's filling you up and your heart's on fire. And then the minute that you, the opportunity arises, you are able to, to birth those moments that the Holy Spirit has for you. Even Jesus was tempted in the wilderness and he defeated temptation by being filled with the word of God and filled with the spirit of God. In Matthew 4.11, it says, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Read that word. Post it everywhere you look. Fill your life with it. Fill your heart with it. You might say to me, pastor, I don't understand it. Read it anyway. <laughs> Pastor, I don't have time. You put it on the audio on your car when you're, when you're going. Put it on your mirror. You got to get that inside of you because your spirit man grows. You're eating the thing that will fill you with the spirit. In Ephesians 5, Paul is continuing to teach the church of Ephesus how to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, don't miss this. Who wrote Ephesians? Paul. You know, the guy who was, the, the, the guy who was hating Christians? Now he's teaching us how to be filled with the spirit. I love the the irony of God's word. And so this is what he says. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the spirit. 
speaking to one another with psalms and hymns and songs from the Spirit, sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus. Man, there's so much I could preach out of this one, (laughs) but let me give you the highlights. This is a scripture in Ephesians that tells us how to live an authentic life. It, It says, look, your words matter. What's in there is gonna come out. So speak with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. That's what spirit-filled believers do. He mentions you gotta be thankful. Having gratitude even in the face of affliction is a strong indicator of being filled with the Holy Spirit. Listen, a natural response to difficult things is not gratitude. That's a supernatural response. Gratitude is the antithesis of grumbling. Gratitude is the antithesis of grumbling. So let me tell you what, you find yourself grumbling, like we all do, your Holy Spirit tank is leaking a little bit. (laughs) You get back into the presence of God. Grumbling is a number one symbol that you need to get back into the presence of God and say, fill me up. Because when you let your life be full of grumbling in any capacity, that, that just, that doesn't allow room for the Holy Spirit. I know for me, that's what happens all the time. I I find myself grumbling and the Lord says, you get back into the presence of God and I'll fill you up. Paul's verb tense in this passage is implying that being filled with the Holy Spirit is a habit. It's a habitual practice. It's not a one-time deal. It's not a one and done. It's an everyday lifestyle. It's a repeated action. It's saying over and over, Lord, I need you. I'm willing to surrender my life, my will to your spirit, confessing your sin, keeping your life in alignment. Because here's the thing, just like a car with a bad wheel alignment, our lives, if if we're not careful, like the scripture says, if we don't live carefully, we will be pulled in that other direction. Our natural selves will always pull us away from the spirit of God. But our supernatural, if we live filled with the Holy Spirit, controlled by the Holy Spirit, we will be able to live all the time in the Holy Spirit and know what he wants us to do. Let me end with this idea. The pattern that we see in scripture among the believers in the early church shows us there are two really critical things that we need before we're filled with the Holy Spirit. So you might be here today and you're like, I want that. Yeah, that sounds great, God. I want that, Pastor. But what do I, how do we do that? Let me tell you the two things that that I really believe the scripture is showing us that we need to do to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And the first thing is we need to be empty and we need to be open to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We need to be empty and we need to be open. And here's why, it's a really simple analogy. You can't fill a jar that's already full. If your jar is already full of of anxiety, if your jar is already full of entertainment, if your jar is already full of, of woundedness or bitterness, you can't be filled with the Holy Spirit when it's already full. And you can't fill a jar that's closed. No matter how hard I try, if I was trying to pour a pitcher of anything into this, it would not get in there because this jar is closed. So if you wanna be filled with the Holy Spirit, it doesn't mean you have to be a Christian for so long or you have to have this much Bible knowledge or or you gotta go to church this many times. It has nothing to do with that. What it has to do with is that you gotta be empty and you gotta be open. You gotta be empty and you gotta be open. Your heart, your life has to be empty and open. So pray this with me this morning. Lord, I'm empty. I need you to fill me with your spirit. Lord, I'm open to you. Let your spirit fill me now. Jesus, I'm empty. I'm open. Maybe you have to say, Lord, I know I'm full. You gotta empty me. 
start there. I know I'm closed. I have some woundedness. I have some hurtness. I don't know, I don't know how to do this, but Lord, I want to be empty and I want to be open. Listen, the filling of the Holy Spirit is really as simple as that. It's not a complicated theological idea. It's as simple as that. As long as we are conscious of our need, as long as we're willing to yield to the Lord, His power is available to us all day, every day. And when the need to be filled with the Holy Spirit is your greatest desire, we will be filled over and over, instantly, every time. And in verse four, it says all of us, all of us, that we will be filled. That's what the scripture says. This is the pattern of the New Testament church. And this is the only way that we will love God and his people. This is the only way we will build Jesus-centered lives. This is the only way we will be able to send out spirit-led disciples. We need to all be filled with the Holy Spirit. So we're gonna sing this song today. It's a prayer, it's a prayer that I hope you pray with me. And it just says, fill me up, God. Now remember, there's work to do before you can pray this prayer. You gotta get open and you gotta get empty. But we're gonna pray, fill me up. Why don't you stand for a minute? Now listen, I'm gonna ask something today and I'm going to ask you with no apologies, okay? Because I want to see the power of God in this church. Do you want to see the power of God in the church? Do, do, you, do you need the power of God in your life? Do you know somebody that needs the power of God in their life? Because here's the thing, I don't want to waste my time. I'm done. I'm done wasting my time. Let's do this together and if this is going to happen, we, we need to think about programs and plans but listen, that is not enough. That will never be enough. The power what we will need to do anything that counts for God's kingdom. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to ask you if you would just come forward in just a minute and that you would get anointed with some oil. Nothing crazy or wacky is going to happen. There's just this little oil. We put it on your head and it's just a symbol that yes, I'm set apart. I'm anointed. I'm appointed. I, I believe that the Holy Spirit, I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And as we do that, would you just pray, Lord, I'm empty and I'm open.
you're still getting prayer, uh, keep at it. If you didn't get to come down and you want it, the prayer team's gonna hang out here. But let me just pray for us. Father, I thank you for your goodness. I thank you, Lord, that when we are empty and when we are open, Lord, you just pour out your spirit in supernatural ways. And God, we wanna be like the church in the book of Acts where all were filled with the Holy Spirit, that we were walking in step with you. And we believe that when we do that, we will see the power of God because the Holy Spirit cannot be stopped. God, we know that what is done for God is not nearly as important as what is done by God. And so we ask, Lord Jesus, for a new season, a season that would allow us to look around uh, the world, the, the frustrations, the pain, the situations that are all around our world, Lord God, that this would be a different lens when we read the news this week. It would be a different lens when we deal with situations in our own homes this week. God, that the Holy Spirit cannot be stopped and that we can live filled with the Spirit. Lord, we love you. We thank you. We thank you for who you are and who you've always been and the timelessness of your name. And God, it's in your strong name I pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Erie First Podcast. If you want more information about our Breakthrough Weekend Conference that Pastor Nicole mentioned during her message, visit BreakthroughErie.com for more information and to get registered. Also, if you haven't already, please give us a rating and a review wherever you get your podcasts and be sure to share it with your friends. Visit eriefirst.org for all our latest news, announcements, and information. Thanks again for joining us. We'll see you next time.